0: Welcome to our January 30th worship service from North Coast United Methodist Church. To be awake is to be alive. I have never met a man who was quite awake. How could I have looked him in the face? As we look at this image of Jesus Christ through the words of Henry David Thoreau, I pray today that we learn what it means to look at the face of pure love through the actions of our risen Savior. Precious God, be with us today in worship. Amen. Mm
1: The rain will fall, sunlit from heaven, like the first to fall on the first grass. Praise for the sweetness
0: together for our call to worship, the word of God comes into our lives, calling and urging us towards love. God's love calls us now, opening our eyes and inviting us to worship and praise. May God's love bind us together in this time of worship and then send us into the world with love. Let's have the children come forward for children's time. Today, I get to celebrate and share a truly awesome piece of scripture. This is from a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, and he's beginning to show all these different people, all these different individuals, all these people who come from different places from all around the world meeting in one common area, the one thing that makes them common. The Apostle Paul begins to describe to them what love is and how they they all can coexist within that love. I want you all for a moment to think about a really caring person. Now, sometimes we affix this identity to a family member. And that's not always the case. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. But hopefully, within your life, you have a mentor, a coach, a preacher, a Sunday school teacher, someone within your life that has at some point come to you and says, you're special. In my sermon today, I quote Mr. Rogers, but I want to use a different quote with you. There's a quote that he uses, it's one of his songs. Now, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't always get the words exactly right. But the gist of his song is is this. It's you I like. I like. It's not the color of your hair. It's not the clothes you wear. It's not the toys that you play with. It's you. It's you I like. There's a word I want you all to know. It's agape. And agape is a love without expectations. Many of us use this image of love to describe how God loves us. We have a creator who has brought us into being, who loves us, our mistakes and all. Whether that we broke our crayons or accidentally broke one of our sibling's toys, we're still loved and we are still important. I want you to think about that because it's real easy to remember our mistakes and it's real easy to sit in our mistakes and feel bad about our mistakes. But we have a God who loves us even within our mistakes, who's willing to forgive us. And as long as we're being willing to do the things that we should do, to apologize to our siblings when we make mistakes, to grow. And to learn not to do certain things again. When we learn how to participate in that love. And that's called justifying grace. The parents will hear about that in a minute. When we learn how to participate in that love. We know that there's nothing that stops us. And we serve a God and have a God who loves us in just the way that Mr. Fred Rogers shares. It's you I like. It's you I like. It's not the color of your hair. It's not the clothes you wear. It's not the toys you play with. It's you. It's you I like. Please remember that somewhere, somehow, in some way, there is a being that exists that loves you for who you are. And I pray that that helps you see that you have some value in love shows you that you can grow past your mistakes and move in a way that you can show that love to other people. Let's join together in prayer. Precious and loving God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for helping us hear you use these words. It's you I like. It's you I like. It's not the color of your hair. It's not the clothes you wear. It's not the toys you play with. It's you. It's you I like. Help us to remember that we are loved so that we can forgive ourselves and our mistakes because you already have, and we can grow and help others find that forgiveness as well. Amen.
2: You know, human beings learn best and most from other human beings. That's all part of being human. And we learn best from people who really care about us people we really like. It's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. The way down deep inside you. Not the things that hide you. Not your toys. They're just beside you, but it's you I like, every part of you, your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old or new, I hope that you'll remember even when that it's you i like it's you yourself it's you it's you i like and that's true and you'll find that the people who love you best are the ones you learn the most from and the more they teach you and the more you learn the better feeling you have about yourself and the world we live in.
0: Let's join together in a time of prayer. God of wisdom and power, speak to us this day. Open our minds to hear your words. Awaken our hearts to respond with love. Inspire our actions that we might serve others with confidence and commitment. In the name of the one who created and call us, we pray, amen. And let's continue in our time of prayer as we celebrate the prayer that Jesus Christ taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's join together for our words of assurance. Christ Jesus, our rock and refuge, walks with us even now. Through God's powerful love and gracious salvation, we are forgiven and renewed. Know that the God of hope is with us today and always. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the first letter of Paul's letter to the church of Corinth, chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. If I speak with the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophecy in part, But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Thank you, God, for the inspiration of this word. Let's join together in prayer. Precious and loving God, we thank you for being present Gracious and loving God, we thank you for guiding us. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for pointing the way. Today, as we look at the reality of what love is, remind us how to look and respond to you. In your son's precious and loving name we pray, amen. It's a blessing and a privilege to continue this conversation with you as we look at the narrative of the existence of Jesus Christ, and how every moment within the narrative of Christ's story relates to a reality that the being of Jesus Christ is the one who came to transform, flip over, rearrange our understanding of what is important, what has the most power, and what should hold the most respect. Today we're going to look at the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-13, many of us have heard it many times if you have ever been to a wedding out of 10, you've heard 1 Corinthians 13, 1-13. You've heard the narrative of what love is. You've heard these beautiful words that come from verse 4 going to the beginning of verse 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It goes through the beginning of verse 8. And me pointing that out will become important for our conversation today. As we look at this narrative that we have been carrying on through. We have been looking at the existence. The acknowledgement of Christ coming. Christ being and Christ raising again. Has been a narrative of overcoming things to shift power to those who are lost, oppressed, and forgotten. Now we look at this scripture today and it begins to talk about what love is. What love is is a very active thing. I'd like to paraphrase a quote from Reverend Fred Rogers. We all know Mr. Rogers, I have quoted... Mr. Rogers at nauseum in my sermons, and my Bible conversations. Mr. Rogers, being the person who came to television to show kids what it means to truly be cared for, what it means to not throw pies in each other's face or be the, the cat that chases the mouse with an anvil, but to be a person that uses education. It's a better way to introduce them to what it means to be loved. There's a quote that he has that I just cherish, and it's this. Love, this is my paraphrasing of it, love is an active noun. Love is a word, it's almost like a struggle. It's the effort and the work that we go through to love someone for who they truly are. Now, that's my paraphrase of that. But the intention is the same as Mr. Fred Rogers' words. We look at what it means to not just agape, to not just have a God that loves us no matter what foolish boneheads that we are, but we begin to exist within a narrative of what justifying grace is. Now, I don't believe that I've done this within our narrative of Pre-birth to the resurrection. But I want to show you the three levels of Wesleyan grace that exists within the being of the narrative of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look very closely at justifying grace today. Let's look at the narrative of Christ's being and affix them with each level of Wesleyan grace. We begin with provenient grace. Now, provenient grace is the love that exists within us even before we know who we are. Before we know what our fingers, our toes, our nose, our mouths, our eyes, our hair, before we have an acknowledgement of anything within our being, God already loves us and is already active in our lives. As we look at the birth narrative, as we look at Mary and Joseph learning about their part from the angels and participating in this narrative of Jesus' being, as we see the interaction between Mary and her family member and John the Baptist jumping in the womb, we see a narrative that exists that Christ is already active and real we're already seeing the narrative of Jesus Christ's existence taking power away from those that want to hang on to it and shifting importance to those who once upon a time have been seen less than. With Mary coming from a, a town that was not of wealth, that was not of means, for picking Joseph, the father, who was not even in the upper echelon of his career, God picked two regular people to be the ones that would bring this story into being. That is an image of provenient grace. This week, and I, I wish that I would have drawn on this last week as well, and really meant to, this week we began to see the actions of justifying grace. Justifying grace is the moment that we are aware of a being that transcends all understanding. We are aware of one who has done things for us we could never do for ourselves. And we begin to do actions of gratitude. We begin to do actions of gratitude, of response, to say thank you for what you've done. And I want to be a part of that narrative. Now, when we get closer to Easter, we'll look at sanctifying and sustaining grace, which is when we're walking side by side with Christ and it's just natural and it's just what we do. But today I want to look at justifying grace. Let's go back to last week's narrative as we look at the conversation that Jesus Christ had with the Pharisee in his home. And the lady who came and sat at Christ's feet and wept and wiped his feet with her hair and wept and wiped her feet with her with his wiped his feet with her tears. I leave the flaws in here, gang, because it's real and natural. This is an image of justifying grace, and there was another part of the narrative that happened last week. I looked at so much at Jesus trying to take power away from the Pharisee that I didn't talk enough about the justifying grace that was happening with this lady of ill repute who was in this interaction and conversation with Christ showing firsthand the actions of justifying grace. It was her actions, it was her faith that set her free. And the conclusion of last week's scripture, it was her actions responding to the reality of who Jesus Christ is that set her free. Now that moves us into this week's scripture. And in the setup for this sermon I shared, we've all heard this scripture in weddings. If we look at the true, pure challenge that exists Within this scripture. I think less people would use these for weddings. Because it's not just. A proclamation. Of what love is. It's not just a celebration within the moment. Of what brought two individuals together. To join their lives together. But if we look at 1 Corinthians 13. For what it truly is. It is. Is a challenge justifying grace to live in a way that we are focusing on the active struggle that Mr. Fred Rogers shared in his quote. Again, my interpretation, my my rearranging, my interpretation of Mr. Rogers quote is love. Active word. It is a physical struggle. It is a work to cherish and appreciate a person for who they truly are. When we look at these words from Dr. Fred Rogers, from Mr. Rogers, Reverend Rogers, we see an individual that's trying to teach this new generation of what it means. To be active within love. What it means to be active within grace and understanding. We have children that hopefully, at least through the narrative of Fred Rogers interacting with them, they hopefully have some sense of understanding of what it means to be loved, but hopefully they can begin to see what it means to share love. And I, sh- I say this with a strong sense of reality. I know, I know, I know that there are kids that heard the loving, caring words of Fred Rogers who didn't receive that love from the places they should. Who didn't receive the care from the places they should have. And then this becomes a teaching tool from them to say that you are loved by someone for who you are. But let's look at that. Let's look at the struggle and the active nature of what love is based on this phrase from Dr. Rogers. And let's look at what love is in Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth and talk about the challenge that exists in this. And if individuals saw this for the challenge, we may hear this in less weddings because there is a challenge we want to be in moments of celebration but as we have all gone on our life journeys we realize that sticking with somebody is a challenge about dealing with another person's vulnerabilities and hurts is a challenge that being with a person in their vulnerable state is a challenge and for so many more allowing people to be with us in our vulnerable places is a challenge it's not just being the ones who can step out and share that love for individuals for where they are it's the challenge even within ourselves to allow ourselves to receive that love is the struggle and the challenge but thankfully There comes a times that our souls link with another person. I have been happily married since uh, uh, since 1997. So we are moving into my 25th anniversary this year, which is pretty cool. But I'll share with you, it hasn't always been rainbows and unicorns for my wife. And it hasn't always been rainbows and unicorns for me but it's the willingness of being a part of the active struggle of loving someone for who they truly are that becomes the meaning point that makes things possible. So let's look at what love is, and let's look at the active challenge that exists in this, again, beginning with verse 4. Love is patient. Reactionary lives. If someone steps on our toes, we want to stomp their whole foot. My favorite phrase: if we lived the in a world that we lived with an eye for an eye, we would have a world full of people with cool pirate costumes. That's a joke. But the true phrase, and if we live eye for an eye, we live in a world that's blind. We have to have these places of patience. When we look at Mr. Fred Rogers' narrative of the active struggle that exists, we have play people in our lives who are in hard places who just need to have a patient soul there with them to hold their hands and to listen and not subject them to that individual's utmost ideal, but be willing to be patient and to be with them in the place that they are so that they can be loved for who they are and find their potential in grace and love. That links to the next thing, love is kind. We have to have kindness in our souls and our spirits to be able to be patient. If we're full of anger and hurt, if we are a part of this reactionary culture that lashes back whenever someone disagrees with us, there's no kindness there. And it takes a lot of compassion to be able to display the patience. There's a lot of kindness that exists in justifying grace to show someone they are loved for who they are. It does not envy. It does not boast. Strong statement for the existence that we have within our culture. Right now we live in the internet culture. We live with the phrasing that I hear so many times, the keyboard warriors. We live in a place that we have become so overly reactionary to anything that opposes what we feel is the ideal that we become envious when we see individuals achieving in ways that we feel unjust and we watch people boast of that success and we become reactionary and loud and then we all become blind. When we look at the act of struggle, It's not just a place that we say what you're doing is okay. I'm going to be all right with it. When we love people for who we are, we find a way to care for them, to be with them, to not persecute them for things that we disagree with, but become a part of this active, loving struggle to be individuals who are in places of conversation. And we allow those conversations to move places to middle ground because I will share with you in complete honesty, we don't always become envious. and We don't always become angry at the boastful because they are wrong. Sometimes we see our own vulnerabilities and our own scars and we lash out because we feel less than. And sometimes we need to learn from the narrative of others. And when we get to that point, I was going to move ahead, but I'm not. When we get to that point that we understand sometimes we're the ones that are wrong, then it shifts the focus on what it means to be kind. Sometimes we need to be kind to ourselves so that we can grow and transform. And we need to be patient with ourselves to realize that our flaws are a part of our existence and flaws are temporary, but growth can bring change. Now I'll move forward. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily anger angered. It keeps no records of wrong. I, I wish I would have read all the way further because that very much connects to the reactionary culture of us yelling and screaming at each other. We see the, the image of it on our favorite news station when that we see these talking heads and boxes trying to speak louder than the other person to get their point across instead of listening to each other's points to find the common middle ground where Jesus Christ exists. The struggle of love is setting away our angers and our record keeping and trying to find ways to honor others just by listening. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The challenge in this is highlighted by Mr. Rogers' words. When we become the individuals who are willing to interact and participate with others in the places where they are, when we're willing to live within moments of justifying grace, living in the active struggle of love to see the bruises and to see the scars, and more importantly, even see the bruises and the scars within ourselves so that we can find the middle ground where Jesus Christ exists. I'll close the sermon in this way. The first time that I heard our current bishop of the California Pacific Annual Conference, Bishop Reverend Grant Agia, speak to us. It was that annual conference. His first address was this VIM diagram that showed everything that we're active in. It shows our outreach, our care ministries. It shows the ways that we go out and we try to fight for those, to be the voice of the voiceless, to be the ones that transform and shift over power like the existence of Christ's being. And he used this Venn diagram to show all those things, and he had them connected to a point where they became our centralized focus. And that centralized focus is the existence and being and the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. When we participate in what Brad Rogers called the active struggle of love, we are highlighting a place where Jesus Christ is real, where Jesus Christ can thrive, and where hope can come. I want us to pray for that centralized place. I want us to pray for our actions of justifying grace that shows those who are hurting that they have a place at the table of grace. That shows us when we're hurting and we poke at our own scars that we have a place at the table of grace. And as we work through all these things together, I pray that we find the freedom of what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind love is caring, love is not envious, it does not boast, that we find our existence in those things so that we can be the ones that show the spaces at the table of grace that aren't being used so that everyone can take the seat that's waiting for them. Thank you for listening to me. My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis. God is love. Let's join together in our prayer of giving. We thank you for your steadfast love, O God, as we return these gifts to you in loving gratitude. Shine through these gifts just as you shine through us and reveal your beautiful love for all the world to know. Amen. Thank <laughs> for joining us today in this time of worship let's join together in our closing benediction go as God's love into the world bearing burdens and enduring challenges go as Christ's children into the world hoping for goodness and believing in miracles go with the spirit into the world Letting love be your guide. We are God's love to the world. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. God is love. Amen.